Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Again, I am glad to be a Christian. I am glad to be a believer. I am grateful that God saved me and placed me in this fellowship as well. Again, we have remarkable congregations that uh, people from all walks of life and I believe that demonstrates how God is able to create a family out of people of different races, of different backgrounds, and able to bring us together and we can share the same heart, the same vision, and have a genuine love and affection for one another and have a desire to touch the world around us. Again, I thank Pastor Dragoon, I thank his family and uh, for their years of service as well and again it's a privilege to count you among my friends as well and you are in our prayers and uh, God continue to bless your efforts. As I mentioned that uh, God giving grace and allowing me I was going to preach tonight something that I've entitled where has the love gone. Some of you may be old enough to remember a uh, duo a performers from the 70s and 80s that was called The Captain and Tennille. They were a pop music sensation. Not everybody enjoyed the uh, uh, type of music per se, a soft pop uh, in itself. Uh, I wasn't particularly fond of that. I like Screaming guitars and things like that for the most part. I do like a good uh, thumping beat and things like that. But yet, uh, they had an immense radio presence. They were greatly successful. They had five certified gold and platinum records. Uh, They were given their own television variety show. A lot of people are unaware that they even made song arrangements for other performers. Uh, Some may not be aware that even Elton John's hit, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, was arranged by Daryl Dragon, who we know as the captain. Uh, Tony Tennille also performed singing backup vocals on many other artist records, including Pink Floyd. And uh, so they had a very long, uh, lengthy, productive career in the music industry. Daryl Dragon, again, the captain of the captain and Tennille died in Prescott, Arizona in 2019 from complications of Parkinson's disease and kidney failure. And though the two had a continued friendship, a lot of people were unaware that they had divorced some, after some 39 years of marriage in 2014. In Tony Tennille's memoir, she cited tense and difficult stretches throughout their marriage. 
Some of you may remember some of their songs, Love Will Keep Us Together. And many of their hits revolved around songs about love. And uh, they were easy to sing along to and very catchy uh, melodies uh, in itself. Uh, But this highlights something is that we need more than a love song. Many of us, we have uh, and. Uh, married couples and people who are dating will oftentimes reference that's our song. Some romantic uh, uh, cliche or something that has connected them in some way. And every time they hear that song, their, uh, their passion for each other is kindled in some way. Uh, but I also know that can be a two-edged sword. That if there is a breakup, if there's, again, the a divorce or some form of uh, uh, difficulty that's ended in separation is that hearing those songs can bring up some awful memories as well. And so we know that it is difficult to keep love genuine and vital in a home and in relationships. Jesus, I believe, has the answers. I Believe that we are living in the last days. No man knows the hour of the day in which Jesus will return. But we see the signs all around us. And as I mentioned last night, one of the more disturbing things, even as we began to think that there has been progress, whether it's in racial relationships and progress and economic breakthroughs for people of all walks of life, uh, that people once still embraced an American dream, that through their efforts, uh, through uh, them applying themselves, they could achieve anything that they wanted. But now we see people... uh, Instead, uh, being very uh, uh, almost angry, people that uh, lacking compassion, violence not only filling our streets, but spilling into our schools, uh, people feeling alienated, children, uh, uh, again, uh, now being prone to violence. Uh, uh, We can't always account for the reasons behind uh, what motivates people towards their actions, but yet Jesus gives us insight when he speaks about some of the signs of the end times. Now, I don't want to address issues of the mark of the beast and uh, the meanings behind uh, uh, the immoral woman in the book of Revelations. And, you know, there are all kinds of scary imagery when we think about things that will eventually unfold. Jesus did warn us, though, saying, pray that you be counted worthy to escape those things that must come to pass. And so as a believer, we know we do resign ourselves to an understanding is that men will wax worse and worse in the last days, deceiving and being deceived. But at the same time, I know that there's the promise of a latter rain, an outpouring of the Spirit of God, that eventually this will fall out for the furtherance of the gospel where many will begin to embrace the truth as they see civilization being able or beginning to dissolve around them. Matthew chapter 24, again an important chapter for anyone who's interested in biblical prophecy and future events that are on the horizon. But I want to lift the scripture out of verse 12 in particular. Jesus declares, and because lawlessness, or some of your 
uh, translations will say iniquity. Because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. In the light of this scripture, we know that there's something much more important than the innumerable love songs that you can play on your song list or you can access through Spotify or YouTube. Uh, We know that there are countless books uh, that actually can fill entire areas of the library about intimacy. Uh, There are innumerable tear-jerking movies about lasting or eternal love in some way. Uh, But yet Jesus makes it very clear is that there's something uh, that is at the heart of of deteriorating, lasting relationships. And that is the volume or the saturation of lawlessness or iniquity in the generation. See, these two things are connected. This term iniquity or lawlessness, our propensity towards sin, our appetite towards the things that are uh, not righteous. Uh, And this is a significant sign. We know and we've lived in a generation where just in the last uh, 50 years there's been more conflicts around the world than there had previously been in all of recorded history. And so we see the Again, the signs that Jesus spoke about. We live through a pandemic era, and uh, yet these things that we've had to endure the last couple of years, as difficult as it's been for many households, uh, how it has shaken economies, uh, realizes that other nations have had it much worse than we can imagine. But it's created problems in households. It has created Uh, a tremendous amount of suspicion about political leaders and uh, where our future lies, how things can be repaired and what the future has in store. But yet, when we read what Jesus speaks about on the horizon, pestilences, the violence that begins to fill the earth, which again, it seems like in America in particular, it's almost weekly, if not daily, some new incredible amount to violent outbreaks that affect so many innocent lives where we hardly trust going out in public anymore. We can't trust sending our kids out to go to the playground to play because we don't know if they'll come back. And I, not, I, don't, want to, I don't want to be the preacher who wants to stir up any kind of fear, but I do know this, that God is our protector. And He does set His angels around us to help us. But this is a significant sign. In spite of all the earthquakes and environmental tragedies, the warnings that science is trying to give us, uh, again, uh, uh, our own inability to trust what the messages are, uh, uh, whether they are true and what the motives are. Uh, uh, People have been betrayed. Uh, We see lying and hatred. All of these things uh, often become a great challenge to loving relationships. And of all of the events or all of the things in the end times that has a personal, personal devastating effect, that's difficult for us to process. It is this arena of love. 
We want relationships to last. We don't fall in love with somebody with the expectancy that we won't be with them in the next few years. We want a lasting love. Uh, We believe that we can carry relationships past a few months or past a few years. uh, And uh, we begin to understand that God really intends for all of us to be able to have relationships that do last forever. But Jesus says, because iniquity shall abound, or lawlessness, the love of many will wax cold. Again, the picture of a candle, the picture of that after having burned for a period of time as the wax uh, begins to be removed from the flame, it begins to solidify and begins to harden once again. And so when we define coldness, we know that it is a lack of emotion, the Inability to care. We have other priorities or selfish or self-centered inclinations that begin to eclipse more important things in our life. Again, the abundance of iniquity. Again, unlawful choices. The temptations to embrace uh, sin. uh, The encouragement to accept and to embrace alternative lifestyles that are departures from uh, how we are created. All of these things affect uh, and undermine uh, loving, caring, and necessary relationships. And I know there are many people who would challenge the believer on these things, uh, but I do believe when we make choices uh, in this world saturated with so many different voices, it changes the makeup of our character and even our personality. I uh, drive for non-emergency medical transport in the Phoenix Valley when I'm not preaching and I have the opportunity to witness to a number of people. And I picked up a young client at a methadone clinic. He's uh, uh, trying to get back in school. Uh, uh, His family had immigrated from Egypt. He uh, uh, is a Muslim, but yet uh, he asked me about my experiences. Uh, It's amazing how many of these people begin the conversations. Uh, And so he's looking for answers. He had just returned from a trip to Egypt because he was trying to find himself. So he senses that he's lost. And he mentioned how that you begin making decisions that you know that your family would not approve of. You know that the good people in your life would not accept. And you find yourself becoming someone that you hardly recognize. And so here's a young man, incredibly intelligent, has the wherewithal to see how his choices in life, uh, who he was choosing to hang around with, uh, how he was choosing to consume alcohol and drugs. This was changing who he was. It was affecting the relationships that he had with those who raised him, the people who love him, and distancing him from the people who could help him the most. I shared the gospel, I shared the 
truth about the hope and the promise in Jesus that the Messiah would be the descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I shared prophetic things to try to encourage him to consider who Jesus was, that he's not just another prophet, but that he is the one who can save us. He is the one qualified individual. He is the Christ, and that in him all the nations of the earth are to be blessed. And he was uh, uh, very open, uh, and, uh, uh, but yet uh, we begin to see something. We begin to understand that even a young person uh, knows that if you make certain decisions, uh, it's going to separate you from other people. Romans 14, verse 22, an excerpt from there, Paul writes, Happy is he that does not condemn himself in that thing which he allows. It's an interesting portion of Scripture is that we can make choices, we can allow things in our life that can condemn us in the future. And this is why it's important that we understand the impact, the influence of choices that we make. What we allow can change us. It can change our affections. It is written in the context of church culture in itself. And as I mentioned even last night, sin complicates everything. Almost every counseling session, almost every unbeliever that's ever come to me to ask for some type of direction, looking for counsel, it's usually the issue of sin that has created their heartache their breakup, their sense of disillusionment with life. Uh, Someone has violated them or they have violated something uh, important or precious uh, and this has sent them uh, into a tailspin in their life uh, and created a tremendous amount of heartache and confusion. And we know the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. See, sin affects relationships. It is the center of all rebellion. Again, I had wonderful parents, very kind, very generous, hardworking, but I went through periods of time, especially as a teenager, and those are the years you're trying to spread your wings, you're trying to establish some independence, uh, but it doesn't have to end up in being resentful of your parents or even hateful relationships where people distance themselves And sometimes don't speak from weeks, even months, or longer. Angie and I, my wife, we were high school sweethearts. We loved each other. We were joined at the hip. For those of you who remember when you were in school, those kids who were always in the corner who couldn't keep their hands off of each other, that was my wife and I when we were young and foolish. We married, we sought to build a family, build a life together. Many of the difficult experiences that we had brought stress on our lives. We did not process them well. Again, I sought to drown some of my sorrows in looking or searching for pleasure and pleasurable experience. I've always been someone who likes adrenaline rushes and things like that. And so uh, uh, the party scene was something that I wanted. She, on the other hand, she wanted uh, a more secure and stable home life. Uh, She wanted a husband that would come home after work. Uh, uh, She didn't want to be given to the lifestyle that I had chosen. 
And so even though we had a love for each other, we didn't have the right foundation to make our life together work. And it became very contentious, became very painful, especially after the loss of our first daughter. This sent us into a very fast downward spiral in our life. We thought love would keep us together, but yet there were destructive influences that I allowed, choices that she allowed even into her own mind and into her life that was leading her to a place considering suicide. I, on the other hand, consumed only with what would make me feel good for the moment, to escape the thoughts, to escape the responsibilities, the stress. and I wasn't finding answers in life, and so I only wanted to drown the pain. Again, our environment today is unlike any generation that's come before us. There's so many distractions Unusual potential just in a smartphone or in a computer. Saturated. No, many children no longer go outside their homes other than for school. But they sit at home and a lot of our children aren't even being given homework anymore. They don't have chores and so they will spend countless hours watching videos or texting their friends or being on a chat room of some sort, I guess, and all of these things that can keep us away and distance us from those that we love the most, those that love us, things that can keep us out of church, keep us away from finding help. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. I want to consider, secondly, love, confusion, and condemnation. There are many things in life that God disapproves of in our generation today. 
There are things that you disapprove of. There are things that we see and we know uh, 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 people are getting caught up in these things. Uh, But there's a tremendous amount of pressure today to accept things that God says is unacceptable. We all have those that we love who choose things that we can't accept. We know that that's true of Jesus as well. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Even Jesus hanging on the cross uh, declares, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Again, our own ignorance often creates these arenas where we are participating with individuals and witnessing things that not only God disproves of, but it distances us from His love and His grace. Again, our generation is frequently drawing attention to things that they consider great cultural breakthroughs. I don't know if you'd noticed, but uh, most recently there is a promotion by our uh, current administration of Rachel Levine. Now what separates Rachel Levine from many others uh, uh, is that she is now the first transsexual four-star admiral that's been appointed to the U.S. Public Health Services. She is the highest ranking transgender individual. If people refuse to accept or embrace these things, this can affect your employment. It can affect how people view you in life, that somehow you are a bigot, that somehow you are unloving and uncaring. If you do not accept these new norms in our generation today, it can bring immense persecution. Even the hot-button issues uh, around uh, our stance as believers for pro-life, being against uh, uh, the wanton uh, embracing of abortion in our generation. Uh, This can bring uh, uh, tremendous retribution against your life. People will target you. Which brings me to the thought of the way of Cain. This is not a subject that we often give a lot of thought to. But if I could give you an understanding, the way of Cain is the temptation to be against righteousness. In other words, the temptation to simply be bad. My wife shared an experience when she was just a young teenager. Her parents were loving parents, good people, hardworking individuals, very personable, but they at times would tend to drink too much, especially on the weekends. This would often create these awkward moments and uh, uh, things that were said. And my wife at that time, or she was just a young teenager, she was trying very hard just to be a good student, to be a good daughter, to be a good girl. She was separating herself from all of the temptations, the things that many of... uh, her friends and peers were involved in. There was a lot of alcohol. It was very much uh, ingrained in the culture of the upper Midwest where we grew up. 
There was a lot of drugs, especially during the 70s, that uh, uh, began to become widely available. And she steered away from all of those things. She was an athlete. She was a cheerleader. She had uh, made the A honor roll on a regular basis. But mother came home, and for whatever reason, I don't know if somebody said something to her uh, or what the reasons for her suspicions were, but she told Angie, that you've been doing things with those boys, haven't you? You've been out running around doing things, haven't you? And she was shocked. She was hurt that her mother would even say this. And again, I don't believe that uh, uh, it was a mother's desire to say that. I, I believe it was probably because of the influence of the alcohol and who knows all of the dynamics. But this put something in my wife at that young age. She said, if I'm already being suspected, if I'm already being charged with these things, I might as well just do it. And she made a decision. She left the house that night, went to a friend of hers that she knew that was dealing drugs, a a classmate of hers whose brother uh, uh, that was a little bit older uh, uh, had access to these things. And she went and said, I want you to give me one of those cigarettes. I want you to give me some of that dope. I don't smoke dope. Oh, don't tell me that. I know that you smoke dope. And then she began to get involved in that. And when we think of the way of Cain, we, again, are thinking about an individual that goes back many generations. I want to read a scripture out of Jude. Jude, verse 7, says, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner as these have given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, and they are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Verse 10 goes on, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Those of you who are familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, these are brothers, Cain being the oldest, Abel, a righteous man who had faith in God, who offered a lamb as sacrifice for his sins. Cain, on the other hand, offered the efforts and the fruits of his own labors. God didn't accept that, and he grows angry, and God speaks to Cain. He has a personal relationship with God. And God tells Cain, if you just do right, why are you angry? Why are you mad? If you just do right, you will be accepted also. But he embraces unrighteousness. He embraces being separated from God. And it culminates in his inability to love his brother, his inability to care. And he lashes out and he slays his brother Abel. And we understand God knows all things. God knows what has taken place. And he comes to Cain and says, where is your brother Abel? And his response, 
Again, is, am I my brother's keeper? And God confronts him in his sin. Uh, what is this that you have done? For his blood cries out from the ground. And even then, when Cain and his sin is being exposed, his only real concern is that if I go out into the world, somebody will kill me. No desire for reconciliation and willing to receive a mark, willing to go through life marked, separate, different, instead of being reconciled with God. And so this is what we begin to see even in our own generation. And we know that Jude goes on how in verse 14, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. They mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. You, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. Now I want to concentrate. We see again the conflict. We see the rebellion that that results in all manner of uncleanness and pursuing a sexual immoral life, uh, pursuing things that are unnatural in itself. Uh, and the embracing of these things creates uh, a culture or an arena where people do not have the Spirit. And we know the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, peace, joy, patience, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, truth, uh, Oftentimes, even as believers, we find that our fight of faith often revolves around continuing to care. We know what we need to do. We can do it with, uh, uh, and apply ourselves. We, uh, but being able to care is sometimes the real battle that takes place inside. And this highlights something is that, especially as I consider the end Times the thought of an antichrist, an individual who interjects himself into the world scene and the cataclysmic events of the end times, uh, is that here is an individual uh, who essentially is saying, you cannot buy or sell unless you receive my mark. A socioeconomic society where he embraces everything that is unclean. Uh, he embraces every lifestyle that God rejects uh, and tries to create an exclusive kingdom of his own, that you cannot participate unless you receive my number, my mark, unless you identify with me. I mean, you know, heaven is an exclusive place. This is why we need to be redeemed. This is why we need to be sanctified. 
no liars, uh, no sexually immoral, no uh, uh, fornicators, uh, no homosexuals will lie there, no one who makes a lie. Uh, this is uh, uh, the hope and the process uh, of making our, uh, our home in heaven is that everything will be different there. And it won't need a sun or a moon because the glory of God and His Son, the Lamb, lights the place. See, in heaven, there's going to be love. There's going to be compassion. There's going to be care. There's going to be righteousness. There's going to be goodness. There's going to be truth. There's going to be music. We can't imagine it, but we can begin to consider all that God has provided. It is an exclusive place. But those who have chosen the way of Cain, those who embrace the temptation to simply be bad, to be unreconciled, to be content with their unreconciled condition. Uh, This is the way of Cain. A world without God, and a world without God is a world without love. I want to close with a thought of faith and love. There's a vital connection. If you want lasting relationships, you want to be able to continue to care, You want to still love your spouse and love your kids. Uh, Even as you grow older, you want them to love you and care for you. When you grow old and feeble, uh, this uh, highlights how much we really need God. We need Him to help us, don't we? And that is His promise. John, again, I spoke about him even briefly last night. Here, James and John, uh, after a rejection on outreach, uh, he, uh, they approached Jesus, shall we call down fire from heaven and consume them? And Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. John later becomes known by those who research the Word of God and uh, uh, read his writings as the apostle of love. Because so much of the writings and so much of the references to himself, uh, he refers to himself as the apostle or the disciple whom Jesus loved. Because he knew that because of his being prone to anger, because of his frustrations, because of his misunderstanding of the things of God, uh, he was astounded that Jesus still loved him, cared for him, worked with him, and developed a whole new nature in his life. And in his three epistles, we find he frequently references love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, John says, Beloved, I mean even the beginning of the sentence comes with a statement that means you are loved. Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. But 
If we love one another, God abides in us. And His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Again, there's sentences here that you have to take a little bit of time and process personally. Because you have to realize more than just reading it on the surface. Because he's speaking something that goes deep within who we are. And who we are becoming. This is why it's so important that we live righteously. Does it mean we're perfect? This is why we have altar calls. We have the opportunity to repent. I messed up. I made a mistake. God forgive me. I'll do better tomorrow. Is that this is what gives us the capacity to continue to care. To be able to love the person that you're sitting next to. To be able to love, genuinely love the person who is so different than you. They look different. They talk different. Everything about their culture is different. But yet, God can make us fast friends. See, you can't truly love without God. And you can't have God unless you're willing to love. Songs like, love is the answer. And you hear it spoken and in melodies time and time again. But love is not possible without God. I think that's what John is trying to say. God is love. And if you reject the truth, if you reject God, you're in for a rude awakening. You'll find very difficult to maintain relationships. If you embrace unrighteousness, if you choose rebellion, if you go the way of Cain, if you're going to be happy with an unreconciled condition, you'll grow more and more manipulative, controlling, more frustrated, more angry, lashing out at people, saying things that you later regret. Because when you reject Jesus you are essentially distancing yourself from what you really want. And that is the want or the desire to be loved. You're distancing yourself from the very thing that's the cure for a strained marriage. You're distancing yourself from the conflict or the the, uh, healing or the medicine for the conflict between you and your parents other authority figures. This is why when you embrace the gospel, as I was sharing my testimony, again, I'm, uh, Pastor Dragoon's a remarkable young man. The things that he's implemented and, and uh, uh, you know, I'm sharing the testimony and how when my wife finally responded to the gospel after I'd gotten saved and Again, I just remember the event, tears streaming down her face, grinning from ear to ear. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I did it. 
Jesus is real. From that moment on, there was no longer suspicion. There was almost immediate trust. Now we were on the same page. We had the same goal. We just wanted to serve God. We wanted to help people. We wanted to be involved no matter what it was. And all of a sudden we begin to realize is that much of our future destiny is just caught up together, loving God, loving each other, and loving people. It's really not that complicated. So much surrounds that simple thing, learning to love. And I know it sounds simple, but that's the hard part of the human dynamic, isn't it? Loving the people that you don't know, taking time to get to know them, putting up and being patient with their quirks and their personality differences, the things that people say that hurt you, continuing to care, continuing to love, bringing God into those difficult circumstances. But that's what faith does. And if you abandon your faith in Jesus, you're removing yourself from the very medicine, the very help that God so desperately is trying to give you. Where has the love gone? The answer is, is that we live in a world saturated with iniquity, with lawlessness. And if you embrace that, it will separate you from everything that you ever wanted in life. I wonder if we can bow our heads just for a moment. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.